Hi, friends. Logan Clements here with the Better Events Podcast. In this week's episode, we're talking all about the pros and cons of freelancing. If you are a longtime listener, you probably know we talk about freelancing and events all the time. Uh, and if you're new here, we we are event professionals. So uh, both Mary and I run our own businesses, but we also freelance often. And so this episode, we're really going to dive into some conversations that we've had offline and let you guys kind of in on uh, some of our favorite parts about freelancing some of the cons, as well as talking about some of our favorite tips and tricks. It's really helpful if you are someone who is thinking about freelancing and events or maybe starting a side hustle and just curious about how to make that uh, adjustment. So this episode is chock full of them, so give it a listen. But before you do, um, if you're loving what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really anywhere, any of the major podcast platforms. And uh, consider sharing it with a friend. If you're in the event industry, share it with another event pro. It's a great way to network with them if this sparks anything for you. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined by Logan Clements, our other co-host of the podcast, and we are going to dive into our topic today, which is the pros and cons of freelancing events. And before we get into it, we have, of course, our conversation starter. So this one's a weird one, but it goes with the autumn, fall time of year. So Logan, would you rather eat only corn for the whole month of November or only pumpkin? Uh, this is an easy question for me because I'm not a big fan of corn. So I'm going to go with pumpkin. I feel like most people will probably agree with you. Does corn have any nutritional value? I don't actually know. Um, but I, so. I would say it's got fiber, I want to say that's something in there. I'm sure. Yeah, I would probably go with pumpkin, but I don't know. Think of how many ways you can eat corn. You could cream it. You could eat it on the cob. You could, <laughs> what else is there? You could grill it, but maybe you could sure. do some of these things with pumpkins. I don't know, but yeah. I would say I like, pumpkin. I like pumpkin flavor. Okay. Yeah. I like popcorn, but really don't really love any of those other popcorn. ways you just listed. Popcorn. Uh, corn. How can you forget? Yeah. And I don't think popcorn would feed me – it would uh, fill me up if I had to spend an entire month. But would like pumpkin puree fill you up? <laughs> it's that like sounds, baby food. <laughs> it sounds more enticing to me than cream of corn or creamed corn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. I'm sure, listeners, you learned something that you really wanted to know about us. There you go. Yeah, now that we probably learned a little too much about whether Mary or I would eat a corn or pumpkin for a month, uh, let's dive into why we would ch- why we chose this week's topic. Uh, Mary and I like to talk a lot of time on this podcast, but also a lot of time offline about the pros and cons of freelancing. So we figured why not turn our conversation into an episode so that we can share lessons learned because maybe you're someone who is already freelancing and you know, could learn from our experience or you're someone who's thinking about it or maybe you have a full-time uh, job and you're looking about starting a, hu- a side hustle that has some kind of freelancing, we're going to be sharing specifically what it's been like on the event side of things. So maybe you're interested in a different kind of business, but 
we're excited to jump in and talk about what it is and a lot of our tips and tricks about how we've continued to stay as freelancers. So Mary, do you want to start us off with explaining what is freelancing in general? I would say, and Logan, you're going to have a better definition for this. So I'll start it. You you chime in because you've um, been doing it longer. But I would say freelancing is when you are a person and you get hired out for temporary work, like contracting. It is it is a contracted role, um, but sometimes it is for a long period of time. Sometimes it's for a shorter period of time, just like one little project. Maybe it's just a day. Um, but basically, it's it's more you getting hired than your business. Legally, it might be your business getting hired, but it's them hiring for you and your expertise, I guess, if you will. What would you add to that, Logan? Uh, yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. For freelancing, it would be just getting hired as you're not a full-time employee for the company, so they are um, freelancing that work out to you. Um, you might be, if you're going to get into tax codes, you're going to be someone who's 1099, which means you're an independent contractor, um, versus being a W-2, which is a a like full-time or part-time employee. Um, but yeah, you can do freelancing for everything from like just for an event to a multi-month contract to, um, I know some people who work almost essentially full-time with one client, but they are still considered a freelancer based on their contract terms. So you really, it's very broad. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit before we jumped in about the difference between freelancing and running your own business, because as you know, listeners, Mary and I both do run our own business. And so I think the lines can get blurred between being a freelancer and running your own business. Um, some of the difference that I would I would say would be um, you can do both. But if your company is getting hired, tend to, that would be more of like you are a contractor, your business is getting hired versus, as Mary mentioned, like an individual, you as Logan versus Logan Strategy Group is getting hired. Um, but I've also seen it in the sense of some folks we've worked with in the industry who don't necessarily have a brand or a larger company that they're trying to market and they really are just a single person. I would qualify them as a freelancer versus running your versus like a business owner. But it's just kind of some of it's more self-identifiable. I feel like in our episode where we talk about that planner versus that producer, I know some folks who are very adamantly a freelancer and others that are a small business owner. I use them interchangeably. Mary, how about you? What would you say is like the difference between the two? Yeah, I love everything that you said. Uh, I I don't think I can, you know, add or expand much more than what you said, mostly because a lot of I feel like freelancing is stuff I've learned first seeing what you've done. And so, yeah, it's it's a journey for sure. And it's interesting. Um, but just like, I guess, double clarifying that, you know, when you it's less of a partnership, like and sometimes I think um, in business, like if you're working with somebody else, it feels more like a partnership. Freelancing is more um individual and most likely the end client will never know that you have your own business. And so it's just, it, it is quite different to me and I will usually explain it um, or, or call myself that depending on who I'm talking to. So if it's like another event planner, I'll be like, yeah, I'll freelance for you. But if it's like a person who could be my client, I'm like, yes, I am an event planner or producer and I would love to have EP events work for your event or something. Like that. I just like sold that really poorly, but you know, it, it is really different. And Logan said that, but I just wanted to touch on that again. Yeah. And I probably verbally use it a little more interchangeably because often Logan strategy group and me as Logan Clements are interchangeable for kind of what mm -hmm. I do. Um, and I always, 
I'll use other freelancers to take on larger projects and then Logan Strategy Group gets hired, but I am usually quite transparent that those folks are freelancers, not that I have yeah. any other like full-time employees. So that could also be the difference, I think, when you're thinking through um, some projects. But I think the examples we're going to try to use are instances where we were a freelancer or a subcontractor for another event company or another person who then the client was identifying us as working at that company. So I think that's where we're going to take it. But Mary, do you want to um, – what does freelancing look like specifically in the event industry? I have only vaguely seen freelancing outside of the event industry. Um, my brother went freelance for a little while and would just get jobs basically for uh, like motion graphics and stuff like that is what he was doing. Um, and so that's like my – that's what I'm comparing it to, I guess. So I might have like a different or skewed perspective. I don't know. But I believe that freelancing in the event industry – looks i mean just like we've already kind of explained it to be um but it it does seem very uh role based so for example the event is a conference and it's a uh a production team gets hired to do the production for this large event and you specifically are getting hired under that production team to do stage management or something very specific and so logan i think you could speak more to this because you really are into that world of production um but to me that's like that is really what it it has looked like for me in the event industry and even then it's often like i don't know who my my boss boss is i just know who's like paying me (laughs) because it's like layers and layers of who you're working for and they're working for this person and then that person's working for the actual client and it's just this weird kind of um, layered thing. So I don't know. For the event industry, I think it can look like a lot of different ways, but I feel like when it's larger projects like production or some type of corporate event or conference, the freelance roles are more common. Yeah, I think to define it, I mean, even going back to like how we first started the the episode, but um, I mean, a freelancer is really anybody who's not working full-time for the company. Uh, and the company is broad because that is it could mean anything and like any of those pieces of puzzle like Mary mentioned. Um, but some other examples, Mary, for you would be like a freelance journalist doesn't work for one paper or news source, but they would be paid by different news sources to do different stories at different times. If that's like and for listeners, that's helpful to think of um, versus someone who works for The New York Times. They would only write they would never wa- write for The Washington Post or something like that. So. Um, I've seen it in marketing. I've seen it in ad. I feel like everybody has freelancers, to be honest. Now, the more once you like realize what they do, um, you will know that a lot of the projects that you see both in the event industry and beyond, I feel like are powered by freelancers. Another word you might hear is gig workers. I know that you might think more like delivery drivers, Uber drivers, like when you think gig. But I think what we do in events, a lot of it's like gig workers. Um, But specifically... I think in this episode talking about, yeah, what it looks like to freelance under a larger company, under someone else. So it could be a production company, just any other company, and you're showing up as yourself um, and whatever skills you're bringing. So in like Mary, in my case, like being an event producer, event planner, a stage manager, whatever that is, or it could be you as a videographer and you're not coming as your videography company, you're coming as this company's videographer. Um, That would be how I would really define freelancing. So to kind of transition into examples of some roles we've had. So like one example I've had is I've been the event producer for an event agency. And so to the end client, I am an event producer at agency A. And that is who I'm working for, agency A, this entire time. I'm never mentioning I'm low strategy group or anything like that. But like Mary said, there can be intricacies, though, that actually you're getting hired by agency 
B who agency A hired to find you. And then, so you're actually like your invoices are getting sent to this agency, but you actually work for this agency. It can be confusing listeners, but um, a lot of times these projects and, uh, you know, are freelancer focused. And one of the reasons why I think is because some of these projects, a lot of these agencies are getting really busy. So there's a lot of opportunity here, listeners, if you are someone who's interested in freelancing, a lot of event companies, big and small, are working with freelancers to help them scale up temporarily for work when they get busy and have busy seasons. Why wouldn't they hire that person full-time? Well, it's risky because maybe that business doesn't stick around or they're not always so busy. And so by having a freelance network or a group of freelancers they work with consistently, they're able to flex for busier projects and slower projects. Me as Logan Strategy Group, I do the exact same thing. I work with freelancers. Mary has freelanced for me. I have freelanced for Mary um, and a number of other folks that I work with a lot. I will bring on for larger projects, but I don't have a consistent business that needs that many people 24-7. So I only use them as a freelancer. Um, but I've been an event producer. I've been a stage manager. been an event assistant. Uh, Mary, how about you? What are some examples of roles you've had freelancing? Yeah, Um I would say that a lot of most commonly is under another planner who is like you said, they need more resources. And so they bring me in and I use their email. I have their logo in my signature. I have a title for them, but the reality is I'm freelance and it just looks like I work for them, which I do for this project. Um, but yeah. And so those, that all most commonly for me has been a specific role like VIP speaker management or just speaker management in general. Um, a little bit of, of production projects that I've been able to be with Logan on. Um, or um, I freelanced for a uh, event software, fundraising software company before, just went did one event for them. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is usually, you know, these one-off things. Most commonly, the software one I just said is like way less common. Most commonly, it is underneath another planner doing something like that. Or underneath um, an event agency where it's the scenario where they like just took on a, a really big uh, client and they were doing all this person, these uh, this company's events. And so they needed people. And so they just sent me to represent them for one day in Nashville. And I was, so those are always like really random. It feels like honestly, freelance gigs a lot of the time seem really random to me, but they're always an experience. So that's what they've kind of looked like on my side. Yeah. And so I think thinking about what our favorite things about freelancing are, um, well, my favorite thing is that freelancing gigs exist and there's a lot of them out there, especially right now with the event industry and how many folks probably retired and or transitioned to other industries during COVID. There's, if anything, like a shortage of skilled event workers right now. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I've also felt very fondly for freelancing because that's how I got my start in events. I worked for, um, I did some volunteer work and then I did some freelancing at events while I worked full-time um, at a company. And I kind of like, I don't know how you would call it, but I, I freelanced inside my company, if that makes sense, not like illegally, but more like I was in the marketing department and our, our event department needed help. And so they would like pull me over to help out with event day stuff. So it wasn't an official freelancing role, but to me felt like a freelancer. Um, and that kind of showed me like, oh, this is a need. There's, there's things for that. So I get really excited because there is endless opportunity for freelance gigs. And I found the key to that is just making sure you don't have an ego about it. Like Mary's saying, um, 
you can find success on the freelance side if you're not someone who's going to go around trying to like spread the word about your company or something like that. You can build a very strong reputation just off you personally that eventually could lead to business for or to new clients and, you know, growing your business. But I always say when I work for freelance for anyone else is I'm just Logan and I'm happy to be labeled as Logan who works for agency ABC. I'm happy to be Logan who works for company ABC. It really doesn't matter to me or if I'm Logan from Logan Strategy Group. Like my, I will present the same level of work no matter what. What about you, Mary? What's one of your favorite things about freelancing? Yeah, um, I would say that it's just really nice for me. I always word it like I just sometimes I really like being a piece of the puzzle rather than having to manage the whole thing. That is an entire different amount of stress than managing the whole thing. It's still stressful. Maybe we'll talk about that more. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's just really nice to show up and just be in charge of one thing and not have to worry about my company and I only worry about myself. And that's the component that was nice to being employed full time is like the company was kind of in charge. And then also if anything happened, they were in charge. I didn't have to figure it out. And so freelancing sometimes depends your role feels similar. And that can just be really nice breath of fresh air. So for that reason, I like to rotate. I like to have a healthy amount of freelancing with a healthy amount of my own clients. And that seems to be nice. So that's one of my favorite things. What's another one of your favorite things? Yeah. Piggybacking off of what you're saying is a piece of the puzzle. I get excited because I can be a part of bigger puzzles than I could ever do by myself. Um, so like getting to manage a million dollar event budget, but not be the one who's worried about making sure I get that million dollar check so I can pay out to people, <laughs> you know, that's very exciting. And that's something that can only come across while freelancing because I'm currently not planning on growing my own company to something that is of that size. So it's been fun to, um, be a part of these bigger projects that alone I, I wouldn't have been able to like pitch for and win as just one person, nor would I really want to. I'd rather jump in and be a part of somebody else's team and bring my, you know, my special sauce, my, my style to it. Mary, what's another reason you like freelancing? Yep. And also just jumping on board with you, with what you said, um, because they're bigger events, being able to try new roles that I wouldn't have tried before. And that's usually because someone is sticking their neck out for me, like Logan or one of our other colleagues, like bringing me in. And it's so, it's just such a cool opportunity to be able to try something and either learn that, like what I do like about it, what I don't like about it, but that was the opportunity that I could try. And I never would have been able to get that gig by myself, frankly, like, um, or for my company, I should say. And so that's a really good way to try out new things if you aren't sure try to try to freelance on something um yeah so i would say that's another one of my favorite things anything else logan that you love about freelancing i also love it because it's like speed dating companies that's <laughs> so what i yeah. can i say uh i went when i started we had a whole uh, episode about our own businesses and just this the spark notes version for my journey was i did not start a business to start a business i started a business because i needed like time to figure out what i personally wanted to do and so I, I joke I've always been open to working full time for someone, you know, at some point. But the hard part is I've just set a really high bar with what I do for myself. So I need to have a really, really special role and a company to convince me to do something full time. But by doing freelance, it's really fun because you get to get like inside a company and see what their workings are, what are their processes. You can kind of adapt some of your, some of your own with your best practices. And it takes some of the loneliness out of being a solo business owner, a solo entrepreneur, I think as a freelancer, because you get to kind of get adopted into these company, you know, ecosystems and or make friends with all the other people who are freelancers with you. 
um, that has then created like we have our own kind of like freelancer family that I know I tap into when I need a lot of help on an event. Um, and I have gotten business from those guys. So it's like the opportunity to meet people in the company, learn their inner workings, but then also to meet your other freelancers and know who they are, um, has led to nothing but growth even beyond the event. How about you, Mary? Any other positives? I know you love the people side too. (laughs) I know that's my last thing is the people it's like, with any events, you uh, events are so emotional and they're a roller coaster. And so you go through these crazy experiences with these people, like just people being absolutely like, like, um, like somebody who's attending the event being like absolutely ridiculous or just something. You have these tra- either like amazing or traumatic bonding experiences. Yeah. Or and like to- servers catching on fire yeah. for a virtual platform in New Jersey. It's no big deal. You, you know, know, we all have to things. hunker down and survive the event. Yeah. You know, the fire is very far from all of us, but people can't get on your platform. Yeah. Those kind of bonding You make experiences. these memories that literally last forever. But then in some cases, you might never see these people again. And I'm kind of like, obviously, if you if you just another freelancer and like Logan said, you enjoy working with them and you pull on each other. That's amazing. But sometimes it's like some person who has some random role that you interact with a lot or maybe they are like on the client side. You really get to know them. But because of, I don't know, the difference in roles, you just like have no reason to like really see them again unless you like make this big effort. Which you could, but I'm just saying like with, with, you know, gig after gig, when you meet people like this, it's just so interesting that you go through these things with them and then you never see each other again. <laughs> it's like kind of heartbreaking actually, but kind of interesting at the same time. So I love that you can meet so many different people when you do these types of roles. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think we can, we'll probably have some more faves that come up as we continue to talk, but switching gears here a little bit to talk about some of our not so favorite things, maybe some of the cons of freelancing. Um, And my first con would be, you don't know what you don't know, which sounds so basic, but oftentimes when you're freelancing, you are kind of an island to yourself. And so you don't know what you already don't know until you kind of do it. And sometimes you have to experience um, some challenges, whether it is not getting the right rate for what you're doing or, uh, you know, just a client that's really difficult to work with that you said yes to because you were just excited to get started or work with this person and it's turned into a challenging situation. Um, Or making sure you don't, you didn't actually charge enough because you didn't cover for your taxes come tax time. Like these are things as a freelancer um, that differ very much. If you were a full-time employee, you wouldn't have to worry about some of the some of these challenges. And so, uh, there's a lot of stuff. When I first started freelancing, I felt like I needed to just learn by doing, um, and learn by talking to other people who had experience doing what I was doing. Um, but a lot of like kind of you had to learn it on your own for some of the <laughs> some of my lessons learned. How about you, Mary? <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, I'm glad you said that because I wasn't even thinking about that. And then I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. I think almost every like role that's been freelance has kind of been like a, well, here's the stuff. Here you go. You ready? Like, and it's, it's often very overwhelming at the start until you get familiar with even the verbiage and the jargon for that event. Like, it's very interesting. So I would say, yeah, you need to be self-starter for sure. Um, So um, anyway, that was like going off of what you were saying. And I would say along with the, the favorite thing of meeting all these different kinds of people, I would say that's also a con because some people you definitely never want to work with again. And so you just kind of have to, I feel like you have less control over who you're working with when you're freelancing, right? Because you're not building that team. And so it can be really challenging sometimes with some of the people that you get stuck next to. So that can be 
really hard that you don't have control over those situations, which Logan, I feel like that probably resonates with you as well. Well, and you could turn it into a pro and the idea though, because you're freelance, you don't have to work with that person forever. That's true. That's like, true. Like yep. their, your time together will come to an ending. Uh, and that yeah. is what I've clinched onto when I have um, worked with folks that I don't necessarily get along with. Or as I've learned, like, and we've talked again on this podcast about it, don't necessarily share the same values as I do or have the same work processes as mm-hmm. I do, which again, is not saying what I do is better than them. It's just, this is what I'm comfortable with and what works well in my style. And I have learned not everybody works that way. And some of those folks that are considered very highly productive people to, uh, to the outside world don't work the way I want to work. And so, yeah, that can be a con that you don't, when you are just a piece of a puzzle, you don't get to necessarily vet all the other puzzle pieces that get put in with you. Yeah. Um, so you definitely have to get used to working with some different, pe- uh, difficult people, different communication styles, all of that good stuff um, as a freelancer. Um, yeah. And I think my, my next con kind of ties into what we've been alluding to, but um, of the, you don't know what you don't know, but also as a freelancer, um, you often get put in roles that weren't, uh, the handover process. It can be like drinking from a fire hose when working with a company as a freelancer, because think about it when you're hired for a full-time role, often there was someone in the role before you. And if you aren't already asking this question and I've added it to my freelancer list of questions is to ask, um, who was there someone in this role last year, especially if it's like an annual event or if you work for a company? Um, and, you know, why is that person no longer in that role? Just to give you some insight on maybe what it is. But with freelancers, sometimes there wasn't, your role is like brand new. So there's no processes for how to bring you in and onboard you and all that good stuff. And I know some agencies do some really intensive onboarding, which is great. Uh, but I know I've experienced some onboarding processes that then I get into the event and I'm actually doing the planning and everything. And I'm working with people on the team and they're like, why are you using that tool? I was like, oh, it was in the, it was in the onboarding. I was told to list everything. They're like, we don't, we don't actually use that. It's like, okay. So these are tools that HR has made to give freelancers and new folks, but then they're not actually how you actually execute the event. Um, so my like tip for you, if you're starting freelancer to help you avoid this con is like, try to have phone calls with people who are you're either going to be working with or doing a similar or doing a similar role to you. Um, that has helped me combat some of this frustration of the onboarding, whether it's a lack of onboarding or it's not as intensive or you just are like, don't have time. You have to just be in the planning process already. Um, I've done that on a couple projects that I was either more nervous about or just really wanted to make sure I had my ducks in a row. I just pinged either people I was going to be working with or I knew did my role before and was like, hey, can I have a phone call with you for like 10 minutes, 20 minutes to talk to you about this project last year? And I've learned some valuable insights by tapping into those folks. Those are great. Yeah. And it's making me excited because soon we're going to talk about more tips and tricks uh, for freelancing. And you just laid down some good ones. I just wrote down the one um, that you mentioned of asking was someone in this role last year. So good one. I like it. My last con is meetings. I feel like when you freelance, there's more meetings because you're on bigger teams. And so they're often like big team meetings, which means that they're often unproductive for perhaps your role. Depends what your role is. But when I freelance, I often find myself in meetings where it maybe is only somewhat applicable to me. If anything, I'm hearing what's going on about the event, which can be helpful because like we said, you just get thrown into it sometimes, Um, but also meetings. So (laughs) that's what I'm going to say is a con. You can't control those. You just got to go to them. So that's my last con. Uh, Logan, do you have any other cons? 
Um, I feel like we're going to cover some of them in our tips and tricks when we talk okay. about them. But I think just another con of, of freelancing could be uh, the lack of consistent income. Um, again, you can turn Great it point. into a pro because with freelancing gigs, some of them can pay really well. So, you know, you can, you, by in, inconsistent doesn't necessarily mean low. It just means what it means of not the same amount of money every month. Um, but that can be really stressful when you first start out or especially if it is lower numbers. Um, and so that was something as a freelancer. I know when I first started, I tried to get ahead of it and like make my own projections for what I was going to be making in the coming months as a way to try to combat that fear. Um, I think it's something that we've talked about in our community over competition podcast and like just the idea podcast episode and just the idea of like the abundance mindset, like that has helped me a lot from when I first started as a freelancer. And I was just like, any work is good work. You know, if it's work, I, I, I want it. Um, and how I've transitioned a little bit more as a freelancer into making sure it either is like fitting something like a really interesting client or a role that I'm really excited about or pays well or, you know, multiple of those or one of those versus just saying yes, because I'm available and I could do it. Um, which I think were my cr criteria when I first started as a freelancer. So again, not saying you can't do that, but just um, making sure that you're you're kind of thinking through those opportunities. Um, and if you have any kind of privilege of having a, a like a savings account or something to fall back on, that can also help you with dealing with those inconsistent uh, months of income. And so, yeah, let's get into some more of these tips and tricks. Um, one of the ones that I was thinking is that I feel like often I have gotten brought on to freelance and it is like a freelance independent contractor type situation. And then for whatever reason, and this like goes a little bit like above my head, but some business reason of theirs, they decided to turn that role part-time because it's better for them or they need to do it or there's something that requires that, that they decided this is going to be part-time. You're basically still freelance. Like nothing changes about what you're doing, but the paperwork is going to be different. And we get to cover your taxes for you, like part of it. That's what they say. And I don't know. I don't have like a firm, solid reason for why I don't like this, but it bugs me often because I feel like what it requires of me is to do more paperwork and I get paid differently. And it's just like a little bit different. And so um, I am really conscious of like what takes time. And I feel like when they change it to part-time, it takes more time out of my schedule. And so um, my tip and trick is that if you, this becomes a situation that you're in, one thing that I would encourage is that those contracts are often that I've seen, they always list a conflict of interest and maybe other freelance contracts do, Logan. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But what I've seen is they, because you're a part-time employee now, there's a stronger conflict of interest clause. And I always, every time this has happened, it's happened three times to me, I push back and I say, I don't want to sign this until you remove that because you just told me I'm still a freelancer. And so, you know, I'm doing the same exact project for other people. So I'm not, I'm like not even going to go there. I'm not signing that. Say it nicer than that, obviously. But um, yeah. And so they've had to amend the contract every time because of that. And so that's a tip and trick is if that's a kind of a weird situation, but that conflict of interest clause is important. Yeah. I think it just, to a larger point of just read the contract especially as a freelancer, uh, you one, want to make sure you have a contract uh, is probably number step number one. But I did a number of, have always done a number of gigs where, you know, it's just kind of like a, a gentlewoman's, a uh, ladies agreement, a gentleman's agreement, however you want to call it, via email of like what you're doing. Um, but making sure that, yeah, you 
read your contract to make sure some of those, because I've seen those before too. Um, and I think they're applicable to people who are actual full-time employees and that's within the company's right. But yeah, when you're freelance, you're probably going to be doing work for other people. Um, I've also seen like NDAs and stuff like that's more common and I'll sign those. I have no problem doing that where I'm just not disclosing uh, specific information about the company, company's inner workings that I'm going to get access to. That's totally normal if you get that as a freelancer, um, but also up to your own personal level of comfort. Um, I think my next tip or trick, uh, Mary, we've talked about this extensively, but the new thing that I always ask in freelance as of 2022 has been if the role is time-based or task-based because I feel like I've gotten burned on this a couple times in projects. And what does that mean? Like time-based meaning, am I needing to be online every single day from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. or even half day? Or just just you, you need me to set certain hours that I'm on? Or uh, there's lots of meetings, like you said, Mary, um, and like team huddles I have to be a part of that maybe aren't directly reporting to me. But, you know, I have to make sure I'm at the Monday 10 a.m. call every Monday. Um, or is it more task-based where it's like, hey, I need you to rate the run of show you're doing the producer stuff. Like as long as that stuff's getting done on certain deadlines, I, I don't care when you do it, whether it's at 9 a.m. or midnight or a Sunday or a Tuesday, you know, they it can kind of ebb and flow with my availability. Uh, and that's been a helpful question for me, especially with the person hiring me, because I found sometimes they haven't even thought through that part. Because a lot of times when I say I've gotten burned on this, I think the person who hired me as a freelancer, they didn't know the answer to the question at the time, even if I had asked it. And I only learned it by doing but for example, I had a freelance project that was me kind of supporting a bunch of creatives uh, as they delivered, um, they they created some deliverables for an event. And the frustration part for me was I needed to kind of just be on call and ready to answer them whenever they needed me. But they also didn't want me to bill for the time that I was on call. They wanted me to only bill for the time I was actually doing the work and connecting people. Now, that was a problem for me because or a challenge because they had a separate email they wanted me using. They had a separate uh, communication platform, like Teams that they wanted me to use. Um, it wasn't like Slack or something that I could have up on other channels. Um, and a couple other platforms I had to monitor that are just not natural to have up versus like if they were sending me emails to my my company email. Um, and that was just really challenging. And I had a really hard part, hard time working through that project just because we were kind of at odds where I felt like it was task-based. They felt like it was time-based, but they didn't want to pay for the time. So just things to ask and have those conversations because you're, like I said, income's going to ebb and flow and your availability is going to ebb and flow because some of these events are all encompassing as we know, Mary. Yeah. I love it. Like if you remember anything from this episode, remember to ask that question because I agree and I've learned the hard way as well. And so when you brought that question originally um, up to me, Logan, I was like, yes, like what a good way to word it. So I couldn't agree more. Um, the only other thing that, well, there's lots of tips and tricks, but the one other main one that I have seen that I thought was really interesting was I had a conversation with a, a an event company with this person who also freelanced. And so this is one of what we talked about. Sometimes those lines blur and it can maybe even be confusing about your service offerings, depending on who you're talking to. So she knew I was a planner. And so she talked about her general like business services, but then she, she showed me a handout that she had that she sent me after our meeting that listed exactly what she can freelance for, for a planner like me. And it listed the services out. And I was like, wow, what a good idea. I love that. And so it really targeted um, that conversation even more. And so that's a tip or trick I have. I still need to do that too. I think it's a great idea to create a handout like that, that you can give for um, freelance information. 
Yeah. And I think just to your point too, even as a freelancer, just narrowing down what you want to do, you can mm-hmm. totally be willing and tell someone like, Hey, if you have an event, call me, I'm happy to be a part of it in whatever capacity. But I would always add in a, like, have a sentence. And I say this to anyone who's even new in the event industry, have a sentence or two about like, what gets you excited? Because that'll help me remember you when I'm trying to think of other projects. Cause I'll be like, Mary told me she was really excited about nonprofit events and I have a nonprofit conference and I need extra people. I'm going to call Mary versus if Mary just said, I love events, you know, it just might not, it's not going to make you as sticky in people's memory when they're coming up with um, gigs. Cause I feel like as a tip with how to get freelance, you know, freelance gigs, a lot of them is just timing, whether it's you, me as a freelancer, reaching out to someone with an email of like, Hey, I know you have something coming up in December. I would love to check in. What are your dates? Do you need any support on your event? To like, I've just had these conversations with people saying, hey, I'm Logan. I'm really excited about show calling and producing. And that stickiness in their brain is like, oh, I need a show caller. I'm going to email Logan. And that's, I've only learned after the fact of that's how stuff, how I've, how gigs have come about. But, um, but yeah, so just make sure, start to think about what gets you excited right now. It's okay if that changes and evolves. My answer to that question has evolved each year and every year, and I expect it to continue to evolve. But like Mary said, a handout sounds amazing, Mary. That is a very good idea. Um, but if you can't even get to that point, just having a sentence or two about what gets you excited or what roles you're looking for, even if you are open to more, will make all the difference. I love it. These tips and tricks have been great for me. So hopefully for everyone listening as well, um, please reach out if you have any questions about freelancing and all the things. And we could totally no. do like a part two to this, I'm sure. Because we, we you know, yeah. I know we go, this is a longer episode for us, but we could probably continue talking. We just scratched the surface of our <laughs> yeah. favorite tips and tricks. Um, yeah, definitely. Send your questions. Yes. Please send us an, an email if you have any questions or message us on social media. But I think, Mary, that brings us to our bonus tip, which you have this week. I do. So our bonus tips, as you know, can be random. This one's quite random. So we're kind of shifting gears a little bit. Still events, obviously. So this is for nonprofit events. If you are doing an event for a nonprofit, please ask for nonprofit discounts when you're booking anything like or buying anything and I know it feels weird but if you're at all in fundraising it's not weird people will just say no and that's no big deal Um, but actually reality is most times they say yes so like when I've done fundraising events like 70% of the stuff gets discounted or donated so just ask it hurts my heart when people just go buy stuff so that is my bonus tip for the day we love a good savings tip thank you Mary that was a great bonus tip and that brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening. And we'll be back in your feed again next Wednesday. Bye, folks. Mm-hmm.